Hi, it's Rob West. And before we get to the podcast, I wanted to tell you about a special group of people. MoneyWise patrons are supporters for this nonprofit ministry that choose to send monthly gifts to support two critical areas. First, helping to extend the reach of our national radio programs, money management app, website, and other resources. And second, providing free MoneyWise app pro scholarships for students or people in financial hardship. Would you consider becoming a MoneyWise patron by making a monthly financial gift to MoneyWise? Just visit MoneyWise.org and click Donate. And thanks in advance for your generous partnership. If you need evidence that there's something wrong with our culture, look no further than how it treats envy. Hi, I'm Rob West. In the past, envy was discouraged. People might have expressed it privately, but certainly not in public. Well, today, envy is exalted and almost considered a virtue. I'll talk about it today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. So where are we today? Well, advertisers spend billions to convince you that you're not happy with your lot in life. But make no mistake, God's Word still calls envy a sin. By definition, it's the sin of jealousy over the blessings and achievements of others. So envy and jealousy are really the same thing. By either name, God's Word calls it a sin in several places, most notably as the Tenth Commandment in Exodus twenty seventeen. It reads, You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. And of course, to covet is yet another term for envy. Today, our neighbors aren't likely to have oxen or donkeys to covet, but we can still envy their new SUV or in-ground pool. Like the sin of pride, envy also leads to many other sins. In James 4, we find, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. There's a difference between envy and the proper motivation to better one's life. For one, you're willing to work hard and you're content with what the Lord provides. But with envy, you feel entitled and deprived. You feel that someone, society, or even God owes you something. Envy is ugly and destructive. Uh, James 3.16 tells us, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So let's look at some of those vile practices. Envy rears its ugly head very early in the Bible. In Genesis 4, Cain is jealous of his brother because God favored Abel's offering, but not his. In verse 8, we read, Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So envy was the cause of the very first murder. It was also envy that made Joseph's brothers feel justified in selling him into slavery in Genesis 37. There we read, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. 
Of course, Joseph's brothers would even have killed him had Reuben not intervened. We also see the destructive power of envy in two stories from David's life. First, when Saul became jealous of David's fame after he slew Goliath, women sang David's praises. In 1 Samuel 18, 8 and 9, it reads, And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands, and what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul I David from that day on. Having first become the victim of envy, David later gave in to this sin himself by coveting and taking another man's wife, Bathsheba, in 2 Samuel 11. Worse, he sent her husband Uriah to certain death in battle to cover his sin. In verse 15, David tells Joab, set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting, and then draw back from him that he may be struck down and die. Envy or jealousy is a powerful emotion that we must always be on guard against. Uh, Proverbs 27, 4 warns, wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? So how do you know if envy has taken hold in your life? Well, one way would be to look at your finances. Are you living beyond your means, running up credit card debt to finance a lifestyle that you can't afford? If you don't get it under control and learn to live within your means, you're headed for financial disaster. Here's how you can slay the sin of envy. First, pray that the Holy Spirit would give you contentment with what the Lord provides. Hebrews 13.5 reads, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Second, if you need help setting up a budget and finding ways to cut your spending, download the free MoneyWise app. It has three ways to set up your spending plan, and you can choose the one that works best for you. Just look for MoneyWise Biblical Finance wherever you get your apps. All right, your calls are next, 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. Do you ever feel stressed or anxious about money? If so, that's normal, but you don't have to accept that. You can find peace of mind and financial security. Learn how with the 31-day devotional, Money Seeking God's Wisdom. You'll find powerful scripture and practical exercises for spiritual and financial growth. You can request your copy with a gift of any amount. Would you consider a monthly or one-time gift by December 31st? Just visit moneywise.org slash give. Do you feel like your hands are tied with debt, preventing you from serving God? If you have credit card debt, Christian credit counselors can help. Through our debt management program, we can get you out of credit card debt about 80% faster while honoring your debt in full. For more information on how Christian Credit Counselors can help, visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. That's ChristianCreditCounselors.org. Or call 800-557-1985. 800-557-1985. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West. 800-525-7000 with whatever is on your mind today. We'd love to hear from you. Let's head back to the phones. To Florida we go. Jessica, you're next up. How can we help you? Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, I just like your input on a situation. I currently have a home um, that I want to sell. And when I sell that home, I currently live in my mom's house and she actually turned that house over to me. Um, I want to sell that house also. 
But before I sell the rental property, which is the first initial home, um, I'm thinking either with that money, because it has no mortgage on it, I can either purchase a new house or I can stay in my mother's house, pay off that one, and just put some money into fixing it up and then putting some money aside for my daughter. Um, I just wanted to know what your idea or what your take on those two options are. I know yeah. that free is usually the way to be, but um, I want to change neighborhoods into a more kid-friendly neighborhood, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, I think we've got to identify really what are the decision points here. There's the financial side of this equation. What is the best way to maximize these assets that you have right now, in addition to your primary residence, which I have some questions about kind of how that went down between your mom giving that to you. But uh, right now you have a real rental property, so real estate asset. And the question is, is that better served in terms of once you sell that asset, better served by paying down debt, uh, insuring up your financial foundation, or redeploying that into another property, which puts you back in the position of landlord as a real estate investor. So there's the financial side, but then there's the non-financial side, which is part of this equation involves your primary residence, your domicile, where you're raising your daughter and living, which is more than just an investment, because the definition of an investment is once it accomplishes its purpose, we sell it. And that's not how we approach our homes because there's so much more to it than that. And so that obviously is a big part of this equation. So uh, I guess first question is, tell me about the home that you're in now. It belonged to your mom. Did she gift it to you? Um, Okay. So I don't know if it'd be considered gifted, but um, we're in the process of doing, is it a quick claim deed? Quick claim deed. Or the ladybird? Mm -hmm. Okay. One of those deeds, yes. Okay. Yeah. So uh, with a quick claim deed, essentially she's giving it to you. Um, with the Ladybird deed, basically that's a special form of a life estate deed that gives the owner, in this case your mom, control over the property until until her death. Uh, and then it's transferred automatically to the new owner without the need for probate. If she does the quit claim, it actually is then a gift and it becomes your asset. The downside of that is uh, the cost basis, her original cost basis, which is what determines any capital gains when it's sold, is going to transfer to you as opposed to you receiving it as an inheritance at her death where you get a stepped up basis. So the cost basis is adjusted up to the value of the property as of the date of death. But that's really only a tax consideration, but it is significant because you could, you know, avoid significant capital gains by living in it and then receiving it as an inheritance at her death, at which point the cost basis resets. Uh, But regardless of that, um, is your desire to stay there, Jessica, or did I hear you say you'd actually like to move because you want to move to a different neighborhood? Yes, I would like to move. My heart wants to move. Okay. All right. Um, so I think then the question is, okay, so we've got this rental property and we're going to liquidate that. Uh, how much equity do you have in that home? Um, so it has no um, no mortgage. So I was told, I was speaking with the realtor. They said I can put it up for about 318 Okay. 
So you'd have 318000 And then if you were to, uh, I think you've got to clarify what kind of deed, who actually owns this property that you're living in and your understanding. Is it still owned by your mom or do you believe it's owned by you now? No, right now it's still owned by my mother. I just have to go to okay. the courthouse and pay to have it be transferred over to me. Okay. And does she live with you? Um, no. So we did this um, <laughs> because she's actually in a nursing home. Okay, very good. And so if you were to sell it, then the proceeds, her intention is for the proceeds of your the home you're living in today, currently her home about to be yours, would stay with you as well? She wanted you to have the value of the home? Right. Okay, and what do you think you would sell that for? Um, it would probably be at least 300 um, probably the same about my house because it's in the same neighborhood somewhat, okay. um, uh, and right. it's more square footage, so at least. And is yeah. there a, a mortgage on that one? Yes, there is. And what's that? Um, about 100 left. Okay, so you'd have about 200000 So you could uh, theoretically sell both properties and be sitting on half a million dollars and be debt-free, correct? Correct. All right, and then what do you think you would want to spend on the next property that you would buy to live in? That's the thing. Um, I don't want to go over four, but when okay. I look around and um, and where I desire, four is not even an option. Okay. Well, that's a challenge. Yeah. So we want to set a budget and then stick with it. And the ability to do that is obviously key. Uh, now, the real estate market is softening. If we were to get into a recession coupled with these high interest rates, could we see a, a, a falling housing market? Absolutely. Uh, it's already down six or seven percent nationally. I could see it being down as much as 20% before this is done. A lot of that just depends on what happens with interest rates. How long do they stay high? Do we actually get into a full-blown recession? So one option is you kind of sit on this for six months or so. You could go ahead and sell the rental property. Uh, you'd have to set aside any capital gains for the taxes at 15%, probably if you've held it for more than a year. And then at that point, you're sitting on a lot of cash. You make the decision as to the timing of the sale of your mom's property that's about to be yours. You make sure that you know that you have a viable place to move to in terms of something you'd be happy with to raise your family and that you can afford that doesn't cause you to stretch. The good news is at that point, and this is where I think getting back to your original question, I love the idea of you buying that with cash, being completely debt-free, and then taking the you know excess you have on a monthly basis plus whatever's left over, shoring up your emergency fund, and then starting to systematically invest into a properly diversified stock and bond portfolio, preferably through a retirement plan where you have tax deferral, um, and then build wealth that way, being debt-free with a lot of flexibility. Now, of course, if you decided, no, I, I really want to stay in the real estate business, I'd prefer to grow my wealth that way, you certainly could do that. I think there's just a lot of questions right now. I probably wouldn't make that decision until you settle the ultimate question about where you're going to live beyond this current place, and can you find something that fits your budget, that you're happy with, and meets your needs. Does that all make sense? Yes, that makes sense. Okay. 
All right. So I think if you know you want to sell this rental property, perhaps you proceed with that while this market's high because it's still at a really high level right now. Let's get the full value we can out of that property. And then let's hold on to that cash. See if the market takes a dip before you sell your current place. In the meantime, start really doing your homework to see if you can find that property that fits your budget that you'd be happy with in terms of location and neighborhood for your next purchase. And then maybe target six to 12 months to do that. And then you can make the decision on whether you pay cash for that or get a mortgage and look for a second property alongside it. Thanks for your call, Jessica. This is Money Wise. We'll be right back. Siri, what's the best way to save for college? Hmm, I'm not sure. Well, what does the Bible say about co-signing for a loan or investing for retirement? I don't know that either. But you can find those answers on the free MoneyWise app. Really? Sure. You can connect with the online community and get answers and encouragement from MoneyWise coaches. That sounds great. Siri, download the MoneyWise app. Got it. Learn, Learn more, more at MoneyWise.org. If you're investing for retirement or any other goal, you may be wondering if it's possible to enjoy both profit and peace of mind no matter what's happening in the market. SoundMind Investing has a short video webinar on that topic at soundmindinvesting.org. SMI has helped tens of thousands of Christians learn to be wise and faithful stewards in the area of investing. Profit and peace of mind no matter what's happening in the market at soundmindinvesting.org. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West, your host. We're taking your calls and questions today. We've got room for perhaps one more at 800-525-7000. That's the number to call. Uh, let's head to Missouri. Andrew, you're next on the program. Go ahead, sir. Hi, Rob. Uh, first of all, thank you for your program. It's very helpful. Uh, appreciate all your wisdom you share with all of us. I appreciate it. Um, I have a 401k at work. A few years ago, it was tanking. And so I pulled out the management company and was just put it off into a safe bucket, all just managing it myself. And uh, last year, it only made uh, like 0.71% year to date. And I was thinking, what's a reasonable rate of return? Should I let the company's retirement managing company have it again? Or I don't know. Yeah. 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 When you said last year, are you talking, and then you said year to date, are you talking this year or 2021? Yeah, 2022, um, it's only increased 0.71%. Okay, and January. that's from January of this year to today? Uh, last week when I checked it, yeah. Okay, that's phenomenal. <laughs> Most people are negative oh. on the year for this year. The fact that you're invested and you're positive on the year is phenomenal. Um, I think you've got to look over the longer term. I don't know how much data you have on your historical performance, but that would be more uh, what I would be interested in as opposed to a particular period of time like year to date, especially given the unusual nature of this year. Um, do you have a sense of what the longer term performance has been over, let's say, the last five years? Um, I don't. Um, that company took over a previous company. And, you know, I was really, I don't know, how do you find out 
what is their average rate of return for the people using their services? You know. Well, I I would ask them. I mean, you could certainly do the the work yourself, but they should be able to give you that type of report with the push of a button. Because what you're going to want to see is various time periods. What has it done over a year? What's it done over three years? Five years? You want to see uh, that uh, return. Uh, they're going to have to factor in any withdrawals you took. It may not be any, but if there were, you'd have to factor that in because that's not a part of the performance if you're taking money out. Um, and then, you know, in addition to that, they would look at um, the performance and show you that versus what's called a benchmark. So depending on your age and the investment strategy, how much was to bonds, how much was to stocks, they should be able to compare your performance to what the the overall market did with a similar strategy uh, to say, you know, if the market market during this period was up an average of 8% a year and you're up an average of nine or you're only up six versus the eight. I mean, that's the kind of information that would be helpful. And again, although you could calculate all of that, an advisor should be able to give you that analysis in a report. And I'd ask to be able to sit down and review that with them to be able to analyze how they've done and you know why they've done better or worse than the market and discuss whether or not the strategy fits for you in terms of what you're uh, trying to accomplish based on your age and objective. So I would be returning, you know, back to the uh, the person or the organization that's managing this to get that kind of report and ask for them to do that either in person or virtually and review that with you. Hmm. Well, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't know if there was a a ten percent annual return is reasonable or five or. Well, it just totally depends on what's the strategy. You know, some folks that are in or near retirement are going to have a, a much different, uh, you know, objective in terms of capital preservation and income that might result in the target being an annualized three or four or five percent a year um, because they want to be very conservative. Others who are in their 20s and 30s might be looking to, you know, try to have a more of a growth oriented portfolio that will have more volatility. And they're, you know, hoping for eight percent, nine, 10 percent, something like that like that. So you don't, you can't compare uh, two different strategies and say there's just one expected return. It really is all dependent upon how much risk are you willing to take in exchange for what return. And you want to try to minimize your risk to, uh, as much as possible in a way that matches what your objectives are, which has to do with your age and your, your risk tolerance. So I would uh, re-engage your advisor to discuss this a little bit further and see what kind of reports they can furnish about how this has performed over time. And Hopefully, that'll give you the information you need. Andrew, thank you for your call, sir. To Florida we go. Brenda, how are you today? How can I help you? Hi. Um, okay, so I have, I'm turning 60 on Friday, and um, I've been wanting to drop my supplement plan. I'm on, I've been on disability for a long time, so I'm on Medicare, and I've had United Healthcare for um, AARP as a supplement. And it's gone up from beginning that I had it four fifty a month and to nine hundred and nineteen dollars a month. And um they say I have plan F. They say if I drop it now I'm guaranteed to get it back as long as I don't take an advantage plan. But they don't pay over I did the math and they don't pay a thousand dollars in even five months of my medical costs. Medicare picks up most everything. So um, I just see it as 
I should bank $919 for myself and pay a $25 doctor's office when I go or yeah. $35. So yeah, I mean, that's, I that's sky high there, Brenda. I would look around. You know, the average Medigap premium across all plans in 2022 is $128 a month, which is quite a bit away from 919 Now, some Medigap plans have far fewer enrollees than other types of plans, which could dramatically increase the premiums. And it seems like that may be what's happening to you at $920 a month. So what I would do is shop it around, try uh, looking into other Medigap plans or even Medicare Advantage plans. You know, some Medicare Advantage plans don't require any premium above your Medicare premium, the existing premium. Um, And so I I would absolutely shop this around and see if you could get something that's far more affordable uh, as you think about uh, the future here. uh, So you can have the coverage you need, uh, be able to get the care you need, but not anywhere close to that kind of -of out-of-pocket expense. Hopefully that's helpful to you, Brenda. This is a great time for you to shop that around. So we appreciate your call today very, very much. Well, folks, that's going to do it for us. So thankful to have you along with us today. Let me again remind you as we press toward year end, if you'd consider a gift to the ministry, we'd be grateful as we head toward our year end goal to be able to plan for our ministry endeavors next year. Whatever you might consider as a gift, we'd be grateful. You can give it quickly and easily online at moneywise.org. Just click give. You can give online through the mail or over the phone. Let me say thank you to my team today, Colette, Gabby T, Amy, and Jim. Couldn't do it without them. Come back and join us tomorrow. Bye-bye. Money Wise is provided by Money Wise Media and listeners like you.